Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from the Message Trust. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing, check out our website, message.org.uk. Thanks, mate. We have just been on the streets till like half one in the morning. So I've had about four and a half, five hours sleep because we're, because um, it is fresh as week and you've got 100,000 students hit Manchester. So we're just um, throwing the weight of fusion behind uh, Ivy Manchester, uh, particularly Fallowfield campus. So me and the camper van, who's Benedict's just outside actually, we've just been water bottling and um, I got a corona all over me. It was an absolute error because the bloke was trying to... Um, I told him, don't do it with your teeth, because we've all seen that go wrong. So he was trying to get the, uh, the top off on a bin and then on the ground, and it wasn't working. Then I remembered I've got a fusion key ring. So I was like, mate, I've got a bottle opener. Um, and it just went absolutely everywhere. Because, of course, if you've been trying to bang it on things, I'm like, I'll help you. And I just got absolutely covered. So if my coat smells of beer, that's why. That's what happened uh, <laughs> about one in the morning last night. Um, it's, I love Manchester. It's good to be here. I was chatting yesterday. We were having a curry on the curry mile because that's what you do, right? And um, just, uh, I was just on my drive here, I was asking the Lord, like, what does the voice of Manchester sound like? Because um, I, I've just, with this camper van, I've just finished getting to every uni location in the UK in the last two years in Benedict. Um, just going to go serve the church on the street and hear the story of what's God up to. And I sort of thought, it is, I, I kind of feel like there's still some voices yet to be heard in terms of, I expect um, the voice of what Jesus is doing in Loughborough to sound a little bit like Loughborough as made by Jesus. I expect there to be a voice in Manchester that sounds a little bit like Manchester, but as made by Jesus. And just going around the country and thinking, hold on, this body is much bigger. There are far more of us out there than meet the eye. There are far more people just having a, having a go on the ground for the glory of God that don't really get noticed, but are just doing it anyway. And I've just been asking God, like, what do you sound like? What does the city sound like? What would it look like if there were a move of God and a bunch of us all stood up at the same time and went whoa that just kicked off and then we recognized each other across the country because we already saw each other as family and we could learn something from Leicester and we'd hear the stories of Glasgow and we work out what we can teach them about what's going on in our ground so I feel like at the moment I'm just kind of thinking nationally having just driven the country Birmingham is the worst for traffic just in case you want to know um I hate it two in the morning and you're still in a traffic jam riddle me that how does that happen so I've just been thinking nationally what is going on God how do we um, get ready? If you were to do something that is way beyond you and I being gifted, how do we get ready? How do we get your church ready? And what would it sound like? What would it look like? And so just to encourage you, um, there, that whole thing of there are more, than, more of us than meet the eye, I at the moment look a little bit like an anomaly in most of the places that I speak or go. Not in the student context, of course not, but when it comes to um, national church, um, I, I know I look a bit weird. Like, I, I, I was surprised. I wasn't brought up with a whole conference thing, so I had absolutely no idea of the culture that I was walking into. And then there were, like, ten of my dad and then me. And I was like, oh, right. This is... I just didn't expect it like that. But um, I honestly see younger leaders all over the nation that God is raising up. But um, some of us have got to go first and hold the door. Some of us have got to be the inviters that say, I'm not an exception to the rule. I'm making a new normal. And what I see in the message is I really want you lot to set the standard for a new normal. Because anytime I hear one of you speak or I come across what you guys do, 
I'm like, I want to replicate that all over the country. And if you see something you want to replicate across the body of Christ, chances are they're a leader. I see you guys carry this kind of bold, authentic, just on the ground, having a go leadership. And rather than being, oh, that's the message, that's an exception to the rule. Oh, that's Miriam. There's not really any female evangelist. She's an exception to the rule. We need to create a new normal. We need to just become the bar setters. Then it holds the door and says, oh, everybody's invited. Everybody's welcome. I spend a lot of my time with the senior leaders just saying, please don't think that I'm a one-off. Please get ready because there is a wave coming. And actually, I'd, I'd love the church to be so tooled up and open to the possibility of God using um, every size, shape, age, ethnicity to declare his glory. That we're not shocked by it, don't know what to do with it, and therefore stand back and miss it. But we're just ready. We're just ready to be family. We're ready to receive it. So just to encourage you, as you go out and as you travel, my aim in my head is to think of people as siblings and then introduce each other. To network people across cities, across giftings and passions, across spheres of influence and leadership. Because if and when there is a move of God, and I need to call a brother and say, what's going on? I I want to already know that they're family. No matter what denomination, no matter what stream of the church they're from, we all need to be family. Because if it comes, no, the lost don't care, do they? They don't care where you're from and what you're up to. They don't care about your theology. They just want to know, is he real? And is he with me when I need him? So... Start talking. Start When you see somebody that is younger than you, just a step behind you, get behind them. Open the door for them. Invite them along with you. Um, because I genuinely think none of us are anomalies. There is a whole little wave behind us, but it just involves some of us being a bit more deliberate about they are invited, talking about them, introducing them, sticking in front of the leaders and saying, oh, they're just like me. You know, there's more of us. Make this thing normal. That's not what I'm talking about, but I just wanted to tell you... <laughs> So, I mean, I was trying to think um, what to speak to you guys about, because to be honest, I'd rather just listen to you. Like, I, um, I massively respect Andy and your movement. I love what you bring to the church. I've, um, I've stumbled into what I do by accident. I never, um, I, I didn't know about Fusion. I didn't know there was an organization that helped church and students. I just stumbled across them at uni. I didn't know I could speak. I didn't know I could lead in church. Didn't feel like oppressed by that. Just didn't know. Um, and uh, so this is all kind of taken me by surprise that this is, I've just started my fifth year out of uni now full time sharing Jesus. And I don't even feel like we've begun yet. So I'm slightly taken aback by that. But um, one thing that struck me, I thought I'd just share a few things, not only a few reflections of what I see going on in the country that we're part of, what, what I think is bubbling up, but um, just a few things that have adjusted how I walk out the everyday. And one of them happened just before I started working for Fusion, and it dramatically has changed how I show up in each place. And um, uh, I I live in York, um, and I go to a little church called G2, which is a fresh expression of C of E. So it's Anglican, but you wouldn't know it. And actually, my mate Joe, who's just started working for Fusion, goes there too. And our vicar, Christian, talked about Jonah one week. And he said, um, did you know that Jonah only had an eight-word message? He only had eight words, and despite the fact that he faffed about, you know, a fair bit to get there, God only gave him eight words, and it simply was, 40 more days, then Nineveh will be overturned. That was his message. That was his eight words that he had to deliver, and yes, he ran from it and tried to ignore it and had a sulk about it and then sulked later about it anyway when people were saved, which I'm like, can you believe, can you imagine getting in a tantrum because 120,000 people got saved? Imagine being annoyed. Amazing. (laughs) Be more like Jonah, brilliant. Just like, oh, yeah, casual, next. But um, 40 more days, then Nineveh will be overturned. And Christian said to us, um, what's your sentence? 
what's your what's the message of your life what's your eight words and um straight away for me uh, was came back a question and the question was who are you telling about jesus and i suddenly thought actually for the rest of my life if every day i can look at myself in the mirror in the eye and say who are you telling about jesus and actually have names, like actual names of actual friends, because I'm actually in community with people that don't yet know him. Not just, oh, I'm going to an event where I will proclaim him to the masses and maybe meet four of them afterwards. No, who are you honestly neighbours with, friends with, doing life with, choosing to be vulnerable with, walking alongside, who doesn't yet know Jesus? So I thought, every day of my life, who are you telling about Jesus is going to challenge me. I then kind of committed in my head to get in front of as many people as I could, or when I got the opportunity to, particularly leaders, particularly culture setters, to ask you the same question. Who are you telling about Jesus? Can you think of names? Do you know faces? Do you know their stories and their lives? Because I don't know about you, but if, you're, um, if your main job is to be a Christian, um, I actually thought I was a nightmare. One of the reasons I didn't want to work for Fusion was because of the very idea of spending most of my time with people that already know him. I'm like, isn't that bonkers? And it was so helpful reading Ephesians and working out part of the deal of being an evangelist is to strengthen and unify the body to do it. I was like, okay, honestly, I was freaking out until I read that. I was like, I think, is this, is this right? Is it? But anyway, so any leader I get in front of now, my question is, who are you telling about Jesus? Because don't you dare invite other people or, or declare that other people should be um, sharing faith if we're not. Don't you dare start talking about, you know, we need evangelists and that everyone's called to be an evangelist. If you know at home, when was the last time you got out of your comfort zone and into the presence of God because you didn't know what was going to happen, but you did offer to pray for the person in front of you? When was the last time you did that? Because please don't give away what you don't already carry. Please don't call somebody to something that you're not prepared to have a go at yourself. Particularly, you know, this is uh, this generation coming through. Authenticity is massive for us because we're so marketed to and everything's kind of gift wrapped and there's always small print and it never quite delivers. We really need people that are just genuine and gritty with dirt under their fingernails just having a go. We really need to be honest about when it's really hard, about when we're afraid, about when we've got doubts. And I still love him. And he is still good all the time. And he is still present. So who are you telling about Jesus? In fact, you've got a moment to answer that now. Why not with the person next to you? Just share a little bit of the story of somebody that you're walking alongside, not somebody that's from work, not somebody that's overtly because it's your job, you have to meet them every week because you're a mentor. But I mean genuinely just someone that you are trying to share life with because they don't know Jesus, but you're committed to being their friend anyway. Who is that? How are they? What's one thing you could actually pray for them for? Like, how are they doing? Who are you telling about Jesus? Share that with the person next to you. Go for it. Okay. So that's the first question I'd love you to remember now and again. Who are you telling about Jesus? Simply so that what, like I say, we live and breathe a story of the everyday, not just the moments, not just our jobs, but just because um, we represent him. Like if you never, if you never had to come to work again today, you're still the message of God to the world. You're still the declaration of the good news. Who are you telling about Jesus? And just and like check up on each other, like find out how's your mate doing, and just I wouldn't ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. So um, without going into detail, because it was actually an f- absolute nightmare. But my mate Gabriel, I mean, come on, what a name! That boy's got to get saved, right? 
Um, Gabriel, I'm telling about Jesus. And um, Gabriel is probably one of the reasons why I can never think I'm too big, too funny or too clever. Because um, it's a nightmare following uh, along with him and doing his life. Um, it, yeah, he's from an estate and you guys know it. In fact, it's more your context than mine, but um, I love it. But Gabs is, Gabs is in an absolute state. And on Sunday, I was getting him to um, play football with me with the church. Uh, could we just play football with the lads in the estate while church is going on? But I don't know the rules of football, so I was leading it. But um, that's bold, to be fair. <laughs> like, I have no, literally no idea what's going on. They had to explain everything to me. Um, <laughs> Bless him. Um, but uh, yeah, so Gabs ended up in a state and um, definitely couldn't come and uh, probably wasn't quite with it. And I, so the last thing I said to Gabriel was, um, Gabriel, you know I believe in God. It was, it was actually quite a des- desperate moment of, you know I believe in God and you know that I think your life is deliberate. And you are really pushing it, Gabs, <laughs> like with how many lives you keep taking like a cat. But I absolutely believe you're alive for a reason. Um, it just it's, it, was, it was like a car park declaration as he's walking away. And you're like, come on, Jesus. But this is why I'm in it. This is uh, actually I really think there's an untold story between students and the poor yet to break out. Students live around social housing. Like, they live in the same areas and street by street, along with the people that don't go to work. You've got students that choose not to work. And they're living next, as next-door neighbours. And I'm like, I still think there's an untold story for the gospel there. So, actually, I'll keep loving Gabriel and chatting Gabriel, and even though I'm a student mission person, because that's the story. I think we need each other. We are a much bigger family. We're not, you guys aren't isolated incidents in what you do in the message. I expect that to overflow into the campuses and I expect the campuses to pour out into the estates. That's what I expect when a move of God happens because the boundaries will get broken down. And my next question for you is what Christian asked me. What, what's your message? I mean, we know the message, and we know, we know the gospel, but we also know our own um, translation of the good news, because Jesus is actually personally good news for me. Like, he actually saved me. Not just us, but me. I know him. He's my best friend. I walk with him. I talk with him. He says, he, he says stuff. He gives me words for other people. We know that we have a good news that is, I mean, U-shaped, but um, what's your one sentence? If God gave you a Jonah message, what's... What's your one sentence? What's your eight words that you carry around that you just can't quite help but come out your mouth? What do you care about? What's he given you? What do you give away? And you won't get that straight away because it takes a little bit of thinking. But just remember the person next to you. What do you think the shape of your one sentence would be? What's your Jonah message? Have a chat. Have a think. Go for it. Okay. So that's a little bit of homework, because to actually craft your sentence, it might not be that quick. But what, 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 is, what is your message? What is your sentence? What is your Jonah commission? What's he sent you out to say? What is the Holy Spirit just going to remind you of when you're sat in front of a leader, when you're sat in front of a group of young people, when you're sat in front of someone that doesn't know Jesus? What's he just going to go, hey, do you remember what I told you? Do you remember why you're here? Invite them. Invite them. Over the last two years of going around the country, I've felt like the, basically, um, despite being quite funny being in a camper van, basically my aim was to bring courage to God's church. Like I said to, said to him, okay, what's the point? What's the message? And, um, and it just was like encouragement, infill with courage, my body. And um, I guess reminding us time and time again, we have everything we need in him. I have everything I need to share Jesus with the person in front of me. 
I have everything I need to be the open invitation to the kingdom of God. Because I've got his presence within me. I have everything I need. So I found more and more, actually, it's not that we're lacking clever answers. And it's not that um, often we kind of hide behind, um, someone's asked me a difficult question, I don't know what to say. In the student world, this is. And, um, and half the time, it is just hiding behind some academic stuff when actually the heart question, I think the heart questions of my generation are, am I loved? Am I on my own? Does my life count? And no matter where you wrap that up, whether it's, um, I'm a scientist, I don't believe in God, which is obviously a classic line, but they don't really know, you know, there's actually no substance to that as soon as you go there, but it's a nice throwaway if they don't want to have a conversation. Uh, Then there's actually, you know, or I'm I'm an atheist, and then you realise, no, 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 they're afraid of God. Like, there's a fear thing going on there. Behind every every different answer, rebuttal, every um, dismissive moment, Uh, Behind every Christian's kind of fear of, I can't, I don't know, I'm not confident enough. Um, Actually, just get into the heart questions again. For us as Jesus followers, do we know we loved? Do we know that he is with us and in us and for us and works through us? Do we know that our life counts, that God is a hands-on parent and he was very deliberate about you? You know, so, uh, and then for my mates who don't know Jesus, actually... At three o'clock in the morning, what they actually want to know is, am I loved? Am I on my own? Does my life count? So for us, we just want to infill with courage the body. Because it isn't about just a few of us having a go. We genuinely need every single part of this body working and moving and running and breathing and breeding life and more life as we go around doing what the church is called to do. Infill with courage the body. So I've been talking about ambassadors for Christ and preaching up 2 Corinthians 5 and this ministry of reconciliation and what does it mean to represent Jesus in the everyday on the days when you feel like it and the days that you don't on the days when oh, I don't know about you but I opt out of being an evangelist can't be bothered like really tired if I got an early morning train and I've just done club mission like now it's not the dream is it and I'm like lord don't make me an evangelist today and then he'll sit me down next to a talker and, <laughs> and just like school me for that <laughs> so and you know I've had all my unholy moments of dithering and um And uh, I've been so close to name dropping Jesus and saying, can I pray for healing for that? And instead I've just gone, have a good day. And, you know, it's not like I've got it right every time. But um, just remembering, even on the difficult days, I am the message of reconciliation to the world. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. That's what the message says. I love I love the translation of that. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, the message says, God put the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Then it says, I'm speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. And what I love about that, that slogan of our lives, is it isn't about us. The invitation of our lives isn't, look at me, I've made it into the kingdom. Phew, I'm safe. It isn't, I've joined a really nice club now. It is, to the world, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. You are an open invitation to know more of the king. You are a door holder into the kingdom. You are not in charge of the results, but you get to do the inviting and watch the Holy Spirit do what he does with the heart change. What is your message? Who are you telling about Jesus? How do you remember to open up the door at every opportunity? 
How do you remember that because you have everything you need, you need, it's okay if you're not really slick with words. It's okay if you haven't read as many books as them. It's okay if their story seems so outrageous that you don't know how to handle it or access it because you've never heard somebody go through all of that. Look at the king who did. Look at the king who knows. Look at the king who's very present, who is very with you, and he isn't taken by surprise. It, nothing will shock Jesus. He's not like, oh my goodness, I didn't see that coming. What do we do now? He's just like, you are so invited. You are so invited to know more of me. So go, go for it, guys, because we really need your peace. We need your story and we need this voice coming out of Manchester, but spreading all over. I really need students to, to see uh, out of their own comfort zones. I really need them to use their plentiful resources that they think they're skint and they're not. I, I want to see them outrageously give of their lives and their time and their finances because somebody's actually invited them into a venture so daring that they think, hold on, this just might be what I live for. We need the story of the message. And we need the story of God out and scattered everywhere, particularly in a slot coming through where 99% of us don't know Jesus. You know, like we need to be inviting. We need to um, have a go for the glory of God. I'd love to pray for you, but I guess just as a heads up from the start when Andy was like, I love women evangelists. Don't worry. There's more. It's fine. It's just I'm a bloke. Um, I particularly want to pray for the girls, I guess, because why not? Like, I, I don't actually, I don't really make a thing about being a girl in the sense that I don't speak at women's conferences. I generally opt out and I don't, um, I, my message isn't the theology of women can lead. I just want to just be Miriam and um, that releases something just by being what you're called to be, right? So, um, so yeah, I'm not, uh, this is no sort of pedestal moment because I just don't do that. I'm called to be an evangelist actually, not... Um, not a woman in leadership. I just happen to be a woman in lead. So, um, but I'd love to pray for the girls since, um, why not, eh? Like, so, um, ladies, stand up. Um, now, we might need to scatter you around a bit because <clears throat> uh, we want lots of hands on shoulders. I basically want you guys to know there's a whole bunch of siblings in the room here that have your back, that are with you, that are for you, that pray for you because we're all family and we all need everyone to pray their part. So, um, fellas, can you, um, you're going to have to scatter. What is this? This is not logistically a nightmare. Girls, scatter yourselves around. Fellas, um, lay an appropriate hand. Uh, but no, go find a shoulder and just get around your sisters. Let's commission these girls. Let's really get behind them as brothers and sisters and siblings. So get a few of you around each girl. There's enough to go around. Lay a hand on and just get their back, lads. Just start praying for them. Start filling them with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Lord to encourage them and strengthen them. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we are family. I thank you that you have provided uh, brothers and sisters so that together we become the fullness of God. Father, thank you for so many brothers that are willing to get alongside us, to defend us, to protect us to release us, to encourage us. Come Holy Spirit, infill with courage your church now. Infill with courage your daughters. Come Holy Spirit. Girls, just know that these guys are for you. 
and they are with you and they stand alongside you and you are fully free to be who you are. You are fully free to bring your voice to the table, your way of leading, your story matters. We need you as role models because there's a whole generation of girls that didn't know it was possible to live holy and love radically. So, Father, I commission these leaders, Father, to just so reflect your glory that, of course, they're going to be replicated across the nation as more Jesus followers. Of course, we're going to see people come to know Jesus because of the irresistible king within them. Father, thank you that we don't need to downplay our story. We don't need to apologize and we don't need to just make the tea. But actually, we are fully fledged members of the body of Christ that um, a whole wave of girls won't know how to get home unless you show them. Because that's why you're made to be a door holder and invite them home to meet dad. So we commission you as your family. We say we are with you. We are for you. Thank you for playing your part because it allows us to play our part. I just release freedom and confidence and deep security to be who you are as made by God and not to play that down. So freedom in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, the girls. Lovely. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support or even get involved with one of our teams. 